Hey y'all, welcome back to Holler Back Season 2, Episode 7, and this is actually our last episode of the season, um, saving the best for last. Um, I'm Stacy, And I'm Billy, and today's guest is a leader in the, Native, in the Kentucky Native American Heritage Commission. We'd like to welcome to the podcast, Venus Evans. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. And Thank it's you a so pleasure much. to be here. Uh, if you don't mind... Uh, just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and, and what's your back. Thank you, Billy and Stacy. And first, let me s- say what an honor it is to um, be invited to participate in your podcast today, to sit down with you and your audience to discuss um, something that's very near and dear to my heart and has been all my life, and that's Native American um, history, culture, and identity in the state of Kentucky. I am a, a tribal member of the Aroostook Band of Micmacs, Mi'kmaq from the Native Translation. Uh, we're from Presque Isle, Maine. We're one of four federally recognized tribes in that state. We also have ancestral ties to the Canadian provinces of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Currently, I sit as commissioner at large on the Kentucky Native American Heritage Commission, a position that um, was appointed by Governor Bevan to me in 2018. I also sit on the nonprofit Kentucky Indigenous People, KIPP for short. I serve as president. This group uh, it serves as friend to the commission, and we have the opportunity to discuss and face. Um, handle issues that face Native Americans living in the Commonwealth today. I also sit on a nationwide council, uh, Governor's Interstate Indian Council. This council was formed in 1947 by then Minnesota Governor. Uh, He formed this group, this council, uh, in an effort to bring Native Americans across the United States together to discuss issues and concerns facing Native Americans in each prospective state. All members are selected by their uh, prospective governors in each state, and um, I've served on the council since 2018, and I currently serve as secretary. I attended, I attended Somerset Community College, where I served as student representative to the KCTCS Board of Regents. I also served as uh, president to the Student Government Association, as well as president to the Multicultural Club. Currently, I'm a member of the SUNUP Initiative, the social justice group here in Corbin, and I also serve as alternate to the steering committee to the, um, for the um, Kentuckians for the Commonwealth. Yeah, that's super awesome. Um, So tell us a little bit more about the Kentucky Native American Heritage Commission and what exactly is its purpose. Okay. Uh, The Kentucky Native American Heritage Commission was um, formed in 1996, and it was formed to recognize and promote Native American contributions and influence in Kentucky's history and culture. The um, commission has 17 members of the Tourism, Arts, and Heritage Cabinet, uh, plus 16 members appointed by the governor, and eight of those uh, are required to be of Native American heritage. And um, the commission also includes uh, representatives representatives from higher learning 
archaeology and Native American arts and the public. So we have a, a, a good pool of, of people and resources to come in and um, uh, address these issues and things of heritage, preservation, education, and uh, that sort of thing. Since Kentucky does not have uh, state or federally recognized tribes, Kentucky has a, um, and a huge indigenous population. Mm -hmm. so, so we like to bring attention to that and uh, awareness that we're here, we've always been here, and we're still here here before the rest of us <laughs> yes yes and we're not just a happy hunting ground which um that that um reference is being being deleted out of out of uh the teachings and in the histories of, of the state so gotcha um one thing that we always talk about on each episode is the, the person's journey to becoming whatever they are and doing whatever they've done uh, can you tell us a little bit about your journey um, to becoming a leader on this commission? Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> How much time have we got? <laughs> uh, I've always known about my heritage. Uh, well, who that I'm Native American. Um, however, in the in this area, unfortunately, if you cannot uh, identify with Cherokee or Shawnee, most people don't take you very seriously. Um, my uh, native background is Mi'kmaq and Maliseet, which that is from uh, Northeastern United States. Uh, like I say, our tribe is located in Prescott, Maine, but we're also connected with the, the Canadian provinces of New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. Uh, so we have a lot of, of connection there. So growing up, I knew who I was, I knew where I was from, but I did not have that connection. And it was just always a pull for me to um, learn as much as I could. And back when I was growing up, I'm, I'm older than you guys. <laughs> back when I was growing up, we didn't have the luxury of internet and um, uh, like this Zoom calling and stuff that we have now, Facebook. Um, so it was really hard to make a connection with the tribe because once my grandmother left, she didn't go back. And back in the t her day, it was, it was hard. It was tough to be Native American. Um, so And like I say, being not of Cherokee or Shawnee descent, I couldn't really make that connection with folks around here yeah. uh, growing up. But as I got older and started uh, pursuing it and knowing that maybe some down the, someday down the road, I could make that connection back with my tribe that uh, I would. So it was just all those issues, all the things that my grandmother experienced in her lifetime and and knowing how that affected her. I could see that and I wanted to make a difference in correcting it. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, do you think that, you know, because you couldn't really identify with Cherokee or Shawnee or um, any of those tribes, do you think that further pushed you to resonate more with your home tribe? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And I did not stop till I, I made that connection. Um, in 91, um, the uh, roles were open for the Mi'kmaq in our in the native in our native uh, culture, uh, leadership and ties and and what have you are through matrin matrilineal. So everything comes to the mother. At that time, the matrilineal matrilineal lines to the Maliseet, which is where. Uh, I should have been able to have gotten status were closed. So the Mi'kmaq uh, roles were open in 91. So from 91 to 2001, I was applying for and uh, getting recognition from my tribe. So it took me 10 years to do that. But doing so has really been a um, blessing. And um, like you say, it just spurred me on to really make that connection. And now I have a really good relationship with my tribe. I can call upon them. They can call upon me. And I've been back twice uh, to visit the, the reserve and visit with the people. So it's just been really, really great. It's, it's a healing experience. And yeah. if anybody is feeling that, then they should pursue it. Because whenever I went, I talked to... Um, an elder of the tribe and I said you know I always had the pull to come back I always had the pull and I said I, I never knew why and after we talked she looked at me and she goes you had to bring your grandmother home your grandmother's spirit so she said that's why you had that pull to come back so she said you brought your grandmother home and she's back with her people I bet that was so moving and powerful <laughs> it was it was just like the whole, the whole weight had just been lifted off. Yeah. That, you know, why, what was this purpose? Why was, why did I have this pull? Yeah. So. Um, that's awesome. I bet you felt the sense of wholeness once again, you know? Absolutely. I that's, sure did. That's so beautiful. Um, I'm Thank interested you. to know why, you know, you said from 91 to 2001, so around 10 years, why did the process take so long? Uh, unfortunately, it's a lot of red tape a lot of leadership changes um and and unfortunately we are the only ethnic group that has to prove our lineage we have to prove it we cannot say oh you know so and so said i'm related to this person and that person we have to prove it on paper you have to have birth certificates you have to have baptismals you have to prove who you are so during that 10 years if something wasn't right, they would have to send it back and say, okay, you've got to prove this, this, and this. And, but 10 years, and I actually got to speak to the clerk when I went up there and I said, oh my gosh, are you Julia? She goes, yes. And I told her who I was. She said, please tell me I was nice to you. <laughs> and I said, you were, I said, you were such a sweetheart. So yeah, but I hope that made sense that it's, it's just, it's just a process. Yeah, of course. Um, I was just very ignorant to the whole process. So that's uh, quite all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really interesting. So I feel like it's a good segue into our next question, actually. Um, are there any other organizations or groups regarding Native American heritage in Kentucky and or Appalachia in general? And if so, would you want to tell us a little bit about them? Or sure. I, I would love to. Uh, I also sit on a nonprofit as president for Kentucky Indigenous People, KIPP for short, K-I-P. Um, we uh, are a friend to the commission and we can do things that the commission 
is restricted or hampered or hamstringed by the statutes that that the commission is has been built in under. Um, so we can address issues concerning Native Americans today, whereas with the commission, it's more preservation, education, history, that sort of thing. Yeah. So with Kentucky Indigenous people, we can um, take on issues and address those for Native Americans that are living in Kentucky today, issues that are pertinent to today. So uh, yeah, so that's that's our purpose. Uh, we are starting to get out there and grow. I think, you know, if if you had to say there was a good thing came, over, came out of COVID, was this, uh, helping our group grow because more people have tuned in and came in on Zoom meetings and uh, inquired more about, about the group. So uh, yeah, that's that. And um, there's some other groups, but that's the one that I am involved with uh, here locally. Gotcha. Um, yeah, Zoom has made, although I think that at this point, everyone is Zoom fatigued. Um, it has definitely made things a lot more accessible, um, which mm -hmm. is, you know, kind of a silver lining. Um, you know, the nonprofit that you sit on, I'm wondering, like, because you said they face more like current problems today as opposed to like preservation and um, mm -hmm. things like that. What are some common problems that you would say Native Americans face today in Kentucky? If that's too broad, we can definitely. Um, um the, the health care health has been the biggest thing education education is always at the top of the list mm -hmm. um getting more authentic accurate uh history taught in schools uh and i'm sure that is uh, a question down the line uh that i'll touch on a, a little more so we talked a little bit about organizations and other groups regarding native american heritage but how, how can people get more involved in some of these programs or, or possibly even the Kentucky Native American Heritage Commission? Uh, go to the website. Both places have websites. Go on, look at uh, meetings, uh, times and locations. Right now, we're all on Zoom. Um, so get involved that way. Whenever COVID lives and we can come together, we have events, we have powwows, we have festivals. Uh, we participate um, in uh, events across the state where they ask us to come. Uh, just any of that, just, just go online, go to the websites, Facebook, get in touch that way. And we would, we would put you to work. I'll definitely be checking that out because, I mean, unfortunately, like, you know, I feel like you know as well as I do that education about the Native American heritage in Kentucky um, and, you know, it could be this way in other places, but, you know, I didn't learn very much about it throughout my middle and high school careers. Um, so definitely something I'll be looking into, especially since it's on Zoom now. Um, yes. Yes. Gotcha. Definitely. Uh, look us up. Yeah, for sure. And also the um, website and things can be in the synopsis of the episode. So people okay. should just go in. Um, right. And I can give you all the links and everything. That would be awesome. Um so the Native American Heritage Commission, I was reading, um, doing a little research on the website, and it says that you all take part in some legislation. Mm -hmm. So, like, can you talk a little bit about some of the legislation that 
the one that's supported. that's going on right the one that's going on right now that is huge uh and it's it's really got us perked up is house bill nine and that was introduced by attica scott representative attica scott and Reginald Meeks. Now, Attica Scott is supporting the African-American um, section of that bill, and Reginald Meeks brought on the Native American. Um, Attica Scott, I think she's out of J-Town, Jefferson Town, maybe in the Louisville area, and her constituents, uh, a high school of constituents came to her and said, we want more accurate African-American education. Mm -hmm. And this high school, I'm not sure where it was at, they this group of kids wrote this bill and took wow. it to her yes and um and reginald said okay if if uh, we're going to do this let's let's put native american in there too and they called upon the commission to help write uh what they wanted in it as well so um it's it's there in the house right now and it's sitting there waiting for covid to lift so that it can go into session and start making its its way so uh, we're we're very much uh, eyeing that and keeping a close watch on it. That's awesome. Um, what does the piece of legislation do specifically just to make it, it is going to I'm sorry, it's going to require that uh, public school curriculum will mm -hmm. include more accurate Native American education and the Smithsonian of the Native American Indian has put out a um, teacher aid um, guide. It's called mm -hmm. Knowledge 360, and they have uh, they have it all prepared. All they have to do is download it and start teaching it. That's awesome. So that, like I said, that's at the Smithsonian, and that can also be looked up online. Oh, okay. And um, what exactly was it called again? Knowledge 360. Knowledge 360. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, well, I look forward and I hope that, you know, I can't see why anybody would vote against that. So. Um. Right. Exactly. So we're, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like I say, starting to gain momentum. And I think right now the social climate is, is ready for this. Mm -hmm. They're ready to embrace it because, you know, we've, we've been so long left out of the loop and, and not been invited to the table. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and so, if anybody that deserves a seat at the table, it's uh, definitely the um, indigenous population. Exactly, uh, and we've got, a, like I say, a huge descendant indigenous population. Not, not to mention that there's over in the um, 2020 census. I do believe that at that time, 33,000 Native Americans registered for the census that lived in the state of Kentucky and over 180 tribes were represented at that time in 2010. So that's been a big thing uh, for the 2020 census where we went out and we were really pushing for people to who identify as Native American to list their tribe. If, they, if they're not with the tribe, to list their heritage, how they identify with. Uh, I mean, it's not going to help as far as, you know, state tribes or federal tribes or whatever, but it will bring recognition to the state. Right. It will, it'll put eyes on us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what kind of steps have you taken at the Kentucky Native American Heritage Commission to promote the role and importance of Native, Native American peoples 
to the history and development of the Commonwealth, whether that be through, you know, teacher education, media relations, public education. All of that. All of that. I mean, you just you just rattled it off. We <laughs> do all of that. Uh, our coordinator, Tressa Brown, she's the one that will, she takes the calls and then she she passes it along. She'll either go and do uh, presentations or she'll give it to one of us and we'll go do it. Uh, so we go into the classrooms. We'll go to uh, meetings wherever uh, wherever we're asked to go. Uh, we went to uh, FCI of Manchester at the, the correction facility over there and spoke to their staff once. So, wow. so that's, that's really great. Yeah. Uh, Manchester. I'm from hazard. I don't know. Oh, a big indigenous population out there. Uh, you know, descended population. Yeah. Um, in Eastern Kentucky. I feel, yeah. I feel like you hear it at some point or another. Um, at least I did anyways, growing up, but like, Oh, this person's, grandma was you know and so um and maybe that was just something that like kids said because I I always said that I was like related to people uh-huh. that like I wasn't <laughs> <laughs> like I just remember me and like other kids in my grade we would be like oh yeah we're cousins which like <laughs> my best friend. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, oh, well that's wait awesome. if you talk with people long enough they will have a story uh back in in their history that there is a Native American somewhere. So yeah. at what age did you learn that you had that sort of heritage? I knew it all my life. I mean, looking at my grandmother and mother, mother, there's no denying it. I mean, because my grandmother at times was mistaken for African American. And in this area, um, like I say, if you couldn't identify with Cherokee Shawnee, then you were African American, and it and on some occasions she was refused service in, in the little small town of London at restaurants or whatever. Yeah, so so, but I can see that coming to the mountains of the Appalachian was a was a good place place for her to come and just kind of fade into the background, um, but it. Uh, it left a hole. It left a hole uh, for me because, like I say, wanting to know that heritage and uh, always pursuing it. So, yeah. Why do you think? Um, and if you don't want to answer this, feel free um, to to not. But why do you think that? You know, you said you were one of six siblings, and you're kind of like the only one that pursued that sort of um, connection to your heritage. You know, Helen and I have talked about that. Helen Dancer, who I've mentioned her earlier, she's a, the chair of the commission and she's, she's my mentor. <laughs> she has really brought me along and we've talked about that. And in, in native culture, um, it's not so much native culture as it may be just in, in our culture, there will be that one, there'll be one that they will be more uh, prone or more or pulled in that direction more of a calling for them yeah. kind of like someone who wants to be a preacher or someone you know I hope that makes sense yeah. but it was just the calling to do that and I guess you know whenever I took it they they felt like well we'll just let her do all the work <laughs> and she can come back and tell us and she can fill us in or whatever so, but uh but they, they've come along. They've come along. I have to give them some credit. They are. Um, moving on to the next question, I, I wanted to ask how the, how the planning for the Kentucky Native American 
or the Kentucky Center for Native American Arts and, and Cultures. Right. That's probably something that we're going to have to come back to. I, I don't have a whole lot of information on that. Helen does. She's working on that one uh, with uh, closer than I am through the commission where she's the chair. So we may have to come back to that question and may have her answer that. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and again, if she just wants to send me like an audio clip or a video, then I can strip the audio from it. No big deal. I can uh, just add that in uh, and I'll introduce her as well at the beginning of the podcast. So it seems okay. like kind of here with us. Okay, um, great. We realized that you know, ASA 2020, where I was actually going to be able to meet you in person, mm-hmm. uh, canceled, unfortunately. Um, but you, you know, definitely still have topics that you wanted to present on like land acknowledgement. Um, and that's a really big deal. So like, we want us and our listeners to be a little bit more informed on that if you wanted to. Okay, land acknowledgements came came about a couple of years ago, I think, and it's just acknowledging the land that we were that we are on once was occupied by the Native Americans, and through no fault of their own, were removed, and um, we just want to give honor and recognition for that. And uh, I think it's it's a it's a it's a a good little piece to. Um, bring recognition to that. That's just one more step in being recognized that we are in, we are here, we were here and we'll always be here. Yeah, so what are some, um, I'm assuming that you've been to some land acknowledgements mm-hmm. here in Kentucky. What are some you know, more prominent ones that we may have heard of? Uh, I'm sorry. I don't think I understand what you're, you're asking me. Um, so like- what, does it, what does a land acknowledgement entail? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Whatever area you're at, you give honor and recognition to the to the tribes that were in this area. So like in Corbin, in this area, this was home to the Cherokee, Shawnee and Yuchi. And then other parts of the state of Kentucky, you may have um, Chickasaw uh, added in with that because there was multiple tribes that lived here, not just Cherokee and Shawnee. Uh, but the more prominent was the Cherokee and Shawnee. Uh, so you just give honor and recognition and thanks uh, and acknowledgement that that uh, that they were here and this was once their land and they still have a connection to it. Yeah, um, and sorry again for my ignorance. I just, no. I'm very interested in, in this topic and just really thankful that you're here to Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. It's also you for the past three weeks. <laughs> well, it's it's like in classes whenever the professor says to ask a question because I'm sure someone else has a question. I'm sure some of the listeners have the same questions, and mm-hmm. it's important for them to understand everything as well. Um, right. Right. So, before we end the episode, are there any projects that you'd like to to talk about before we before we end? Oh, yeah. Uh, Mark your calendars that in May, the third week, we, if all goes well and COVID has lifted, we will be partnering with uh, Cumberland Falls State Park, uh, the Commission and Kentucky Indigenous People putting on American Heritage Weekend. And it'll be a festival. It's, it'll be May 14th through the 16th. Gotcha. So, uh, and I am very excited to say that the host drum is going to be from uh, 
the Micmac. The Micmac are coming down from Canada to be the host drum. So I'm very excited about that. The cultural director, uh, the former cultural director to our tribe has a, has a drum and we asked him to come down and he's going to come down. So we're very excited about that. So let's pray COVID lifts (laughs) so so that we can put this on because we're going to have, we're going to have workshops. We're going to have music. We're going to have dance, uh, flute playing, drumming, uh, all of it. Storytelling. We're going to have a sunrise ceremony on Sunday down at the falls. So it, it's going to be great. Well, that's awesome. Has he ever been to Kentucky? No, no. Well, and uh, to the first KFC. But oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, a couple of years ago, we hosted uh, a walking group that came through. Uh, they were called the Longest Walk Part uh, 5.2. And they were walking. They started in San Francisco and walked all the way to Washington, D.C. to bring awareness to oh, domestic wow. violence and drug abuse on reservations and in communities across the United States. But it was a, a group made up of Native Americans from across the country. And they would just join together and walk. It, it was awesome. So, yeah. yeah. So they had to go to the original KFC. <laughs> so yeah well that's a staple whenever you go to Corbin at least (laughs) and now with the with the renovations it looks like a little park down there now really oh my oh my gosh yeah okay I thought last time I was down there they um they were doing construction which there's construction everywhere now seems like yeah it's in Hazard it's in Lexington um and it was in Corbin when I went I was like can I ever get away Um, oh no it's it's ongoing forever forever yeah. Um, well, Venus, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to be here with us today. Um, I learned a lot. I know that Billy learned a lot and I know that our listeners learned a lot. So I, sh- uh, I certainly hope so. Like I say, this is my first time and um, I just wanted to be clear and um, educate Yeah, and hopefully answer some questions uh, yeah, for sure. to, you to did, the best of my ability. Yeah, you did phenomenal. Um, so yeah. Nice. Uh, one thing I would like to share, um, I was recently uh, in a conference mm-hmm. uh, with the governor's interstate, inter- uh, ugh, the governor's interstate Indian Council. And this is made up of uh, commissions and organizations of Native Americans across the United States. And to be in this organization, you have to be um, appointed by the governor. And I wish I had mentioned that earlier. We may have to add that, that I am secretary to that group. And uh, we, Kentucky hosted a virtual conference this year. And one of our uh, representatives from South Dakota uh, opened with prayer. And he said, to keep our language alive, even if it's just a couple of words to speak it. So I would like to share a couple of words from my native language. It's only hello and thank you, but you know, keeping it, keeping it going. He said that way you keep the, the, the language alive. So Micmac for hello is Quay. Quay. And Micmac for uh, thank you is Wallalan. 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 So I would like to say Quay and Wallalan. Quay and Wallalan. Yes. <laughs> it sounds so like endearing. Like, it, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Oh. Um, well, thank you. Thank you. I, it's been my pleasure. And I wasn't as nervous as I thought it was going to be. Oh, so. yeah. You're laid back here, here on Hollerback. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, I hope it makes sense. If not, we'll do it again. <laughs> 
Well, it's, it's been a good interview. We've got a lot of information. We've learned a lot. So. Well, good. Good, good. Um, well, yeah, thanks again for being here. And um, well, uh, this is actually the last episode of season two. So saving the best for last, we learned some new words and learned some a lot about um, our heritage here in Kentucky. So thanks again. And always pursue it. Always pursue always it. If you know that's in there, go after it. Absolutely. Be proud of it. Be proud of who you are and where you come from. Exactly. Well, in the meantime, folks, stay tuned for season three. We've got some good guests planned and some fun topics to talk about. So in the meantime, I'm Stacy. And I'm Billy. And we'll holler at you later.